Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Maiden, and I am your host. On this episode, we have Doug Perenchio on. He is the founder of Soggy Dog Gear, aka your new dog training equipment supplier. Uh, so Doug jumps on this episode of the podcast, and we talk dogs, training equipment, as you could guess, and the Soggy Dog Gear story. Really enjoyed my conversation with Doug. Uh, he's incredibly humble, uh, but he definitely knows his way around, uh, you know, training a quality gun dog. He also knows his way around equipment. I think you're going to find some value in that as well. I think you're really going to enjoy uh, his story in, in this episode. Now, before we get into into the episode, though, we have to talk about sponsors. First, Gun Dog Outpost. Uh, that's the store that I created. Uh, that's a store that makes this show possible. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to head over to gundogoutpost.com. Check out what's available there. Any sales there help support this podcast and vice versa. It's all one big thing that uh, I just enjoy doing because I enjoy talking about gun dogs and I just live in a, a gun dog lifestyle. Uh, second is Hoist, aka IV level hydration in a bottle. Hoist is my go-to after a training session with my dog. I spent this past Saturday outside for four hours helping run a setup with 10 plus dogs, ran some dogs multiple times, uh, got in my truck to head home and I was whooped. I was just beat. I was exhausted. Um, it was, you know, high fifties, which is warm for this time of year in Wisconsin. I luckily I had some hoist waiting for me. I, I thought ahead and I slugged that, that entire bottle when I got home felt so much better just so so much better uh what hoist does it helps your body refuel rehydrate it's one of three department of defense approved electrolyte beverages so it's good enough for our troops it's definitely good enough for me now if you'd like to give hoist a try i need you to head over to drinkhoist.com and use the code gundog outpost all caps one word to get 10 percent off your order today now last but certainly not least is dakota 283 they make some amazing kennels and other dog products for your four-legged training and hunting partner. Recently, they just launched Dakota Guard, which is the next line of defense to keep your dog safe. So Dakota Guard is antimicrobial protection against the likes of Salmonella, E. coli, and a host of other invisible organisms that shall not be named. Uh, it is added in small batches throughout the production process. The end result is protection that you can't see, but you know is there for your dog. If you'd like to learn more about Dakota Guard and Dakota 283's list of products, head over to Dakota 283.com and check out what they have to offer. If you find something you like, use the code GDO10. You'll get 10% off your order today. All right, that's it for sponsors in the intro. Let's go ahead and dive into this episode. All right, Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for jumping on. Um, I'd like to call you my first celebrity that I've had on. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> first non-celebrity. <laughs> so just so people get to know you and your celebrity, why don't you uh, give, a, give a little bit of background information about yourself, name, location, name of your business? Yeah, absolutely. My name is uh, Doug Prankio. I, uh, I own a company called Soggy Dog Gear. We uh, are in the business of selling the tools for developing gun dogs. And uh, I'm hailing from the northwest corner of uh, northern lower Michigan. So Traverse City, if you are, uh, are familiar with Michigan, right? Just, uh, just a couple miles from Grand Traverse Bay. Yeah. That is, uh, when you said Traverse City, that makes that that's easier for me because I know where that is. When you first said Northern Lower Michigan, I had like a blank stare come across my face. You probably <laughs> saw it, but <laughs> I was if, like, if I could hold up my hand, <laughs> Northern Lower Michigan, that one threw me for, for a loop there. All right. Uh, okay. So you are the owner of Soggy Dog Gear. Do you, do you host any podcast type stuff as well? No, I, I don't host a podcast. So me and some, uh, some friends that host podcasts, uh, were itching to, uh, hold on to any human connection that was humanly possible during the pandemic and kind of the start of the pandemic. So we all worked together and, and did a little YouTube gig during the pandemic called the hunter's happy hour. So we did a two hour stream on Tuesday evenings, streamed it to YouTube and, uh, just had a bunch of, bunch of friends on drinking beer and, and keeping in touch and talking about hunting and dogs and dog training and what other kind of mischief we could get into. <laughs> I was, uh, no, the, I, I, I miss uh, Hunter's happy hour. That was, that was entertaining and it was fun. I think yeah, I, I just think it was fun. Yeah. I think we all miss it a little bit. You know, it, it fell off cause our schedules got super busy. You know, when we got into the height of, you know, I, I think I was out in North Dakota hunting with Tyler and got back and grouse season was really getting hot for me and pheasant hunting was getting, you know, really good for him out there. So it just, we're hunters first and, and dog people mm -hmm. first. So the, uh, the, the hunters happy hour kind of fell off and rather than telling everybody every week, Hey, we'll be on next week or we'll be, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We just, we cut it and uh, with the hope of reviving it when uh, things calm down a little bit. Sure. Sure. And Tyler is the host of what? Uh, Tyler is the birds, booze and buds podcast. Got it. So we had Tyler uh, from birds, booze and buds, Nick Larson from project upland and Ronnie Bame from the hunting dog podcast. Ronnie and Bain. then there's the the misfit of the group which is uh myself uh, the only non-celebrity on the panel <laughs> not no way you were elevated celebrity status as soon as you showed up with everyone there so <laughs> and i i mean I, honestly i knew i knew about soggy dog gear before you were on on with uh, the other guys at hunter's happy hour yeah you know it's a it's a small company we've been around for uh, we're just pushing into a little over seven years now so it's uh, it's slowly getting steam. It seems that the pandemic so it's helped a little bit, and uh, you know we've kind of started to scale a lot over the last year and a half. So I'm I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and just kind of enjoying the ride as we go. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about about soggy dog gear and and dive into that a little bit more. But before we get there, though, we got to talk about dogs, right? This, yeah, is a, this is this is a show about dogs. So uh, how many dogs do you have? What what breeds, um, ages? Yeah. So I am a lab guy. I've been a lab guy for a very long time. Uh, my current roster is a seven and a half year old, uh, yellow, uh, pointing lab. And, uh, you can insert your jokes right there. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she's really the one that I've cut my teeth on and, and really dove into taking a dog from a puppy, developing it through, 
the, the full process to a, to a finished Labrador. Um, she had a lot of skill sets. She had a lot of, uh, things broken about her. Um, but she's exactly the dog that, uh, that I have and that I need, right. She, they always are, they always end up being the, the dog that you need, um, at the time. And I'll think back probably five or six years from now and, you know, two to three dogs from now and, and wonder, you know, wow, you know, how fundamentally basic the, the, the work that she did was, um, but then I also own her daughter. So we had a one litter with her. We brought her to a field trial Labrador out of Montana, uh, LL, or Mr. LL Cool J, who mm -hmm. is, uh, got a couple points away from getting his FC, very hot dog as well. And uh, we bred them together. And I have a Ferrari with a rocket ship on her ass uh, named Luna, who is just about two years old now. And uh, we're, we're pushing through that, that step, moving from, you know, kind of that senior level, very basic blinds and, and pushing into that, that more finished stuff. So working on some more uh, specific concepts and, and trying to, to move her past into doing some finished work. Yeah. So um, I, I saw the video you just put up on, on Instagram. She looked really good, by the way, like really, really good. Um, so I think you're, I think you're definitely moving past that, uh, that last transition phase from, from seasoned senior to finished master. Yeah. You know, I always end up with a dog that is, um, that matches my personality. You know, I don't know if the dog, the dog is inherently, uh, just a fast and, and kind of a spaz dog, or, or if I make <laughs> them that way. Um, cause I, I've been known to be, uh, you know, a little sporadic and kind of reactive. It just in just in general in life. Uh, so my dogs definitely, uh, definitely seem to mirror my personality. Um, and, and there's a lot of challenges in, uh, and obstacles that, that overcome that you have to overcome as a trainer working with dogs like that. So the process of kind of getting from the blind work to, you know, the double T and the swim by, and we're still, because of Michigan winners, we're still, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to restart swim by here because we didn't get quite through it. Um, but, you know, doing a lot of pattern blinds and, and kind of having to emphasize on a lot of that basic stuff before moving on, just because she is really fast at what she does. Mm -hmm. um, and if she thinks that she knows what she's doing, she kind of wants to go into autopilot mode. So we're, we take our time and we move real slow there. Yeah, no, I, you're doing, you're doing good. I understand about the winters. Like I get, I think about, you know, like the six months that I basically don't train where it's like hunting. And then it's like sort of game farm season slash guiding season you know, where, you know, I, any hunt test type stuff that I'm doing with Mac is just, it's out the window for the most part. I mean, there's that control from training to, you know, a higher standard for hunt tests, but, you know, you start working, start doing blind work again, and it's like pretty dang rusty and, you know, swim by, I want to go back and revisit that as soon as the, you know, water is warm enough for him to get in. So, um, it's, but it's a constant, it's a constant game. Also, I need to go back. Um, there's, there will be no jokes about pointing labs here. Pointing, pointing labs are the real deal. <laughs> okay. All right. I've seen some in action. Um, they're, they are legit. And yes, I have, I've guided with GSPs that are phenomenal hunting dogs too, but pointing labs are legit. Yeah. I think if you, if you take your time, you find the right kennels and you, uh, you find the right breeders that are taking the time to do the right things. Um, you can get into some dogs that have some really good genetics and, and will do the work um, properly. Uh, it is super easy because of their the, um, uniqueness that, uh, you know, they're being bred for the wrong reasons. So in the same regard is that there's some really good ones out there. Uh, there's probably more that, that aren't just because I think 
they because they draw a higher dollar value as a puppy um there's a lot of breeding that's going on with dogs that you know maybe were taught to stand game or are just not genetically doing it on their own um and they're not fostering the, the dog's natural desire to whether it's point or flush they're, sure. they they want the pointing and you know and i i was very blessed to to get a dog that from eight weeks old that you know that's all that she wanted to do sure and it was really hard to get her to do anything but that oh yeah yeah no i think that did you intend to do that did you intend to buy a pointing lab yeah the, the kennel that i bought him from uh green wing kennels up uh in levering michigan is uh it is a pointing lab kennel so that's primarily what he focused on he spends uh, an abundance amount of time um you know looking for the right dogs and and campaigning them in the apla and sure he's working with some of the you know some of the top lab trainers you know dale down in hunter rose south mm -hmm. uh, east michigan mm -hmm. and in doing a lot of the right things to make sure that he's putting out a good product mm -hmm. or good dog as you can call him product yeah uh and so apla what, is, what does that stand for american pointing lab association okay all right uh i i i, I did do a podcast with uh someone who whose dog is pretty pretty accomplished in the apla but um do I, any quick overview, 30 second overview of APLA, the tests that are involved there since you cut your teeth there? Yeah. So the, the APLA, and it's recently made a lot of changes. So a lot of the nuances uh, that are in the, the way the tests are set up now, I'm not super uh, familiar with just because my, my new dog is a, is a flushing dog. Mm -hmm. um, so I've kind of had to step away from that world for a little while. Sure. Um, but the American Point Lab has uh, just recently been uh, sanctioned by the United Kennel Clubs of UKC. So they're a UKC recognized organization. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the same type of uh, levels as a AKC or UKC hunt test where you've got your started, your seasoned, and then you're finished. Um, in that world, it's called, a, you know, you get your started or certified pointing retriever. You get your advanced, which is equivalent to a senior or, or uh, uh, seasoned or senior. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your master and grandmaster pointing mm -hmm. retriever. So, um, there's points associated with them. So you just, that's the same as the, the UKC, yeah. uh, the hunt test. Um, what's uniquely different about the APLA is that you're asking the dog to do uh, very disciplined work. So they're doing the retriever work. And then at the end of the day, they're asked to go out and run an upland field, point a bird um, at its, you know, at the, the finish level, you know, that master level or grandmaster level, they, they come out to the upland field, they have to point their birds, they have to be steady through the flush, the flyaway, the shot in the fall, and then be released, um, you know, on the judge's command, you know, so you're, you're taking a, a very dependent type of work and then asking them to go do something very independently later and, and still, you know, remain and, and hold that control. Um, you know, the, the marks and the setups aren't necessarily as hard as a finished, uh, HRC test or a finished master, um, AKC test. Um, there's no honoring and there's some other small nuances that kind of simplify the process. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still asking the dogs to do a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good way to evaluate, you know, what kind of dog you've got in front of you. It's, uh, they, they ask the dog to have a, a variety of skills, a very, very unique skill set, really, to, you know, to pass master or become a grandmaster pointing retriever champion. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easy when we talked earlier about, you know, it's, there's a lot of guys out there putting titles or in breeding pointing labs that necessarily aren't doing the right thing by them. It's, yep. you know, the, the started or the certified pointing uh, title and the advanced, it's a little bit easier to get a dog through it. Yep. Um, but once you start getting into the, the master and grandmaster level, um, you know, those, those guys that are not necessarily doing the right thing or teaching, you know, them the scan stand game, 
uh, that all that all becomes evident in those mm -hmm. tests, you know, and it's pretty easy for, for that kind of stuff to get picked out. And, sure. um, you know, so when you're buying a dog, you know, looking for those higher level tests, I think is super important. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good advice. Um, are you running any hunt tests with Luna? You know, Luna is, is a special dog. So she's got a, an insane amount of drive. And I made a lot of mistakes early on uh, in my dog training career um, with feeling that I needed to get to the test early and put on titles early and, and want to compete in, in, uh, I don't know if it was clout or social recognition or, or what it was about it. You know, I'm a competitive person by nature. You know, I played sports. I enjoy that competitiveness. Um, and I, I put my dog, my first dog into situations that she wasn't ready for. Mm -hmm. And I spent the rest of her life trying to correct those issues. Yep. Um, so now I have a dog that's got a little bit more drive. That's a little bit more reactive and in order to, to make sure that I've got a lifelong, you know, her life, I've, her lifelong, um, you know, quality test, testing dog or duck hunting dog. Um, we're taking things really slow, yeah. you know, and I'm making sure that she's, that she's ready and, and properly trained and just not just physically in the, in the, can she do the work, but is she mentally mature enough to handle it? Sure, yeah. And I think that long-term that's going to be a, a a bigger win for us and we'll get to go on and do bigger things because of it. Yeah, sure. But essentially what you're saying is you're, you're being very patient with her. Yeah, it, you have to, right. She's, she's reactive. So the, the yeah. rule of thumb was always slow dogs move fast, fast dogs move slow. Um, and she's on hyperdrive, right. So we move turtle slow, you know, so <laughs> things are just, you know, things move a little bit slower. Um, she's probably the most fun dog I've ever, you know, owned in watching her work. She's stylish in everything that she does because she's, she does everything with so much purpose and she wants to, she wants to please, and she wants to, you know, do the right thing, but because she has so much drive it, and she is a little bit reactive, it gets her into trouble. Her thinking yeah. that she's reacting early to do the right thing, uh, puts her in a position to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So my job as a trainer is to, to recognize that and to, you know, kind of hold a mirror up to her and, and realize, Hey, you know, this is, this is a flaw of yours. we got to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I like, um, you know, I wanted to have you on to talk about, you know, the history of soggy dog gear and you're just dropping knowledge here about training dogs. So it's, it's really, really good stuff. <laughs> no. Take it all with a grain of salt. Cause I am the farthest thing from a, from a pro or uh, even well, uh, well seasoned uh, amateur trainer. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would disagree a little bit um, with that. Um, you're very humble, Doug, which is, which is, which is good. Um, but as far as your training background, like where, how did you learn to train dogs? Like what, did you have a, did you have a mentor? Did you just buy a bunch of resources? Like what, what was it? Yeah, I, I would say it's a combination of, of everything. So in the small town of Alpena, where I grew up, uh, there, we had a field trial pro, uh, his name was Bob Kootenicki and Bob is probably, uh, since passed, uh, he, if he's still around, he might be in his late nineties by now. Um, but he used to train dogs at a play, uh, Berlinski pond where I used to fish growing up. And, uh, he would see me out there with my, my lab that, you know, I did what a, any 14 or 15 year old thought was good training. And, and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. You know, I was, 
essentially a bird boy for him, you know, starting at, you know, at 14, 15 and, and even, you know, up to 16, I think is when I finally stopped and, and got real busy with school and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a, it was a really good experience because I got to watch some really high level dog work at a really young age and kind of, you know, when you're, when you're in your teenage years, you get mesmerized by, by things really easy. Right. So yes. watching a dog, me throwing a mark and watching this dog come out at 250, 300 yards, pick up a mark. Um, that was super, um, you know, that was super impressive to me. And it was, you know, almost fanboying, uh, going over this, this trainer. Right. Um, you know, and I wanted to be just like him. So a lot of what I, what I would do and the, the things that I adopted were very old school methods. You know, it was not uncommon for him to walk up to a dog that wasn't doing the right thing. Instead of using an e-collar that he didn't have, he'd walk up and bite the dog's ear. Right. Mm -hmm. So he taught me a lot of, a lot of the, the things that a dog could do. And a lot of things of the type of trainer I didn't want to be, Sure. you know, so, uh, fast forwarding a bunch of years, you know, I, I had a few dogs in between. Um, I bought Ollie and I, was immediately kind of inundated with the Northern Michigan Retriever Club and just the people in it. You know, the the guy that I bought my dog from Greenwing Kennels, um, you know, he's just, he was super passionate about me taking this dog and, and, you know, campaigning it and getting it into the sport and training it effectively. And, you know, he was inviting me to training days almost immediately. And when I showed up in my first training day, you know, I've instantly with dog people, you just, you make friends. Right. And, yep. and everybody was super, uh, super welcoming. And, you know, a lot of them have become lifelong friends. You know, the guy that I bought my, my dog from is, you know, stood up in his wedding seven years later, you know, it's <laughs> just, you become, you become really good friends with these people. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a student of everything that I do. So, you know, I, I kind of nerd out a little bit where I'm reading lots of books, I'm buying lots of DVD player, you know, DVDs in, mm -hmm. um, if I were to show you kind of the library that I have downstairs, it's, you know, it's lardy, it's, uh, build, I would say build dance, uh, thinking bass fishing in my head. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think how uh, Bill Hillman, there it is, uh, Dennis Voigt and it's farmer and farmer lardy symposiums. Yep. Smart works. I don't own that one. Um, but I do uh, hear a lot of amazing things from that book. Um, and it's even just, you know, building a retriever. It's just a book of drills. You know, and it's, it's one that I keep, I've got one on my desk. I've got one in my truck and I've got one in my training bag, yeah. you know, just because I don't like to be without it. So yep. uh, my, my path to becoming a, you know, a, a dog trainer, throw up the air quotes, um, has been a mixed bag of just some really cool people willing to take mm -hmm. the time to mentor me and uh, my desire to really want to know everything about the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we're similar in that regard. I have I was lucky and then I had a, I had a mentor who really helped. He was like, Oh, buy smart works. He's like, and he knew, he knew Evan Graham personally and he knew the program or whatever. And, you know, he's like, that was the first one I bought. And then he was like, Oh, you know, do this, do that. Um, you know, come to this training day. And that's, it's, it's how it, you, you get hooked. You go there, you're like, and you watch, you know, all these advanced dogs when you're, when your pup is six or seven months old and you're like, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I want to do that. You know, how, how do I do that? And you just start consuming you know, resources. And a lot of people go to YouTube now. I do like YouTube. I'm, I'm a book guy though. I like, you know, I don't know if you are, I like, I like putting my hands on the paper, like looking at the drills um, for whatever reason that just appeals to me. I also have like, you know, I have my own binder here, which is like Dobbs Retriever Training Library, which is like really, really old school stuff. I think it was, you know, everything is based off of, you know, basically Rex cars. Mm -hmm. you know, philosophies that he developed. And so I think yeah. that was like the next one after it. So the article's really old, but 
lots of good drills and stuff there that I, I have. And I want to buy like every single one that's out there. I just don't want to spend like thousands of dollars on it all at once. Yeah, you know, and I think we can kind of inundate ourselves with too much information, yes. you know, so if you're working off of your first dog and you're, you're pulling from 10 different resources and you don't have the discernment to understand um, the process that each one's working off of and you start mixing them together and, you know, they all do things, you know, they're all similar processes, but there's different nuances that yes. make them unique. So when you start kind of crossing over from, you know, uh, a uh, lardy or freddie king you know very different processes and you start mixing them together and you're not going to get quite the result that you were hoping for it's and it is yeah yeah i mean uh, you're right because they, they layer concepts a little bit differently in the order and they all do it there's a reason they do it a certain way so that it makes the most sense for the dog and when you flip back and forth because you like this you like this one better in this program versus this one in this program it it can get confusing for the dog. Yeah. And if you flow chart them all out, you know, they may all start in the same trajectory, but at some point there's going to be some branches yes. and those branches are going to take you in different places. So, yes. you know, depending on the kind of dog that you're trying to build, you know, Lardy's is going to take you towards the field trial. Yep. Freddie King is going to take you towards the hunt test, you know, mm -hmm. and they diverge in different places. And that's one of the scariest things about the content on YouTube for me yes. is that you've got guys, you know, with, that maybe some of them are credible, some of them not credible, but they're throwing information out there that not necessarily validates the process that they're working on. Right. So mm -hmm. just because of they, they did a video and they're showing what, you know, what they're doing, you're missing all of the steps A through C in front of it yep. and all of the steps that are coming after it. So you're trying to, you know, piecework a la carte your training, which, you know, can for somebody brand new, it can be really frustrating and, and not get them the results that they're hoping for. And, and maybe not, you know, have them continue down that path. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it makes sense. Right. You know, you can, I mean, I, I was in that spot. I was because I wanted all that information. I just kept consuming it and consuming it. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I don't even know what to do next because there's just too much going on. I should do this and this and this and this and this, and I should do it all today. Cause I want my dog to be doing this next week. And, and you, it's like, you know, paralysis by analysis, essentially it's, it's <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, looking back on it, I can like, look back and see all the mistakes that I made with my dog. And it's like, oh, I'll know what to do next time. And I know looking back, like, oh, it would have been great to try this or this here or here, but, um, you know, that's just comes with experience. You just got to get in and do it with your dog. Yep. And all of the mistakes that you made with the first one, you may not make the same ones with the next one, but you'll make a whole nother set of mistakes. And you're going to keep yep. that process has never changed. And the fact that, you, you you know, if you've got a binder and you're writing it down, I think that's super cool having a journal mm -hmm. and documenting that journey. Um, there's a lot of things about my first dog that I wish I would have would have done that with them being mother daughter. There's some similarities that, mm -hmm. you know, I wish I could have gone back to that those books and said, hey, you know, this is how I did, you know, or what I did to fix that problem, yep. you know, rather than having, you know, to do the trial and error thing again because of the amount of time that's passed. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is your oldest dog's name? uh ollie ollie okay yeah so is ollie the inspiration behind soggy dog gear yeah um you know when i first bought ollie you know i had just gotten married you know when we were uh you know looking towards having a family and, and mm -hmm. having a youngin and training a hunting dog is a very expensive adventure um yes. you know <laughs> you know when you start adding up the cost of getting launchers and electronics and e-collars and bumpers um, it could be a very daunting number at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was for me. And I'm 
you know, I, I've got an entrepreneurial uh, heart, you know, and I, I've, I enjoy the challenge and I like to, to be my own boss and I like to try growing new projects. Uh, so it was really kind of a good fit for me, you know, to, to get into something that I was super passionate about, which was, you know, gun dogs, um, you know, take the stuff that I know about, you know, building a business and what I know about, you know, being a salesperson and, and kind of pushing that towards something that was super exciting for me. And it really started as just buying. I think my first thing that I ever brought on was, uh, was Zinger Winger sure. and it was selling stuff at hunt tests, you know, bringing pamphlets and whatnot, just, uh, you know, if I can sell one at a hunt test, that's going to cover the gas down to cover sure. my food and, and my entry fee, the 65 bucks or whatever to get into it. Yeah, and the APLA no. is a little bit more money. So it's $400 a weekend every time you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you got your dog, so your dog. So Ollie is seven and a half years old. Mm -hmm. Doggy dog gear is, is seven years into the business. So did you like, you started training Ollie, you, you know, you went to some club trainings and you're like, I love this. I want to start a business around this. Yeah, that was basically it. You know, I was looking at, uh, I was sitting at the on my couch with my wife. I was looking at the cost of wingers and I'm like, this is stupid. Um, I, you know, I was like, I, I can't even afford to buy one. You know, how, how am I going to do this? So uh, the next best answer I had was buy a whole bunch of them and try to sell them. <laughs> I like it. And your wife bought it? You know, she is, uh, I am, I'm graced with marrying about four levels up, you know, so she, sure. uh, she puts a lot of faith and, uh, and trust in, in me and to making good decisions. So, yes. No, that's, I understand. I, I definitely outkick my coverage and I'll just end it with that. So, uh, all right. So. So you bought, you bought Zinger and Winger. You started going to, um, to tasks and selling there. Like, when did you, when did you build a website? When, you know, what other products did you add? Um, and how is it, how has it progressed? Yeah. So Wingers in, in the dog trail electronics is really where it started. Um, to have an official website, I think we're just rolling on two years. What it basically happened was, you know, word of mouth within just the Michigan community and the sure. Michigan clubs and whatnot. Um, you know, I started to grow um, beyond what, you know, dealing with them in Facebook messages and text messages. And I needed a more structured way to kind of manage that. And if I was going to grow, obviously need infrastructure to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I took some time, I had a friend teach me how to use WordPress. And mm -hmm. uh, I spent about eight months trying to build a site. And then uh, finally got that taken care of. And a good friend of mine, uh, Dave Veldman, who owns uh, Sport Dog Photography, Mm -hmm. was super cool and provided me with, uh, uh, you know, a session on a camera to, to get some images for my website. So we came up North and we took a bunch of pictures. We got them online and, and launched the site about two years ago. I want to say it was, uh, March or April, two years ago. So we sure. just hit our two year mark. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. Um, I mean, it's, it's cool how you started just local, right? All that local support and word of mm -hmm. mouth and then, um, have, you know, branched out and grown, um, and you built, you built the website yourself. Yeah. That's, yep. So I'm, is... I'm, I'm hosting it and building it and we're constantly learning new things. You know, the SEO yeah. thing is a, is a pretty complicated game. Yes. Um, and when you're going up against, uh, you know, guys that, you know, you all know who they are, but there's companies out there that have deep pockets and can do the, the click, you know, the paid click ads. Yep. Um, it's, you know, you gotta be really creative with SEO and, and engaging people on social media. So I'm still learning the social media game. It's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to know and it's a big time investment. Yep. So I'm, uh, I'm playing there a little bit, but you know, we started to grow. I, we brought on e-collars and additional types of launchers and, you know, I, I got a little bit froggy and decided to start making my own collars. So we make our own, you know, biothane, uh, flat collars and, uh, centering collars. And then we got into building check cords. 
and uh the line's just you know we're looking for ways to to bring on new products and you know now we have sure. kind of a complete line of stuff for retrievers we launched our holding blinds today uh gun stands and dog tie outs and bird bags for uh for placing uh you know chuckers and whatnot for pointing dogs and flushing dogs and whatnot so we're yeah. we're growing a little bit every day and and continuing to do so hopefully yeah and i so well i'm, I'm writing a note down because i need to buy a bird bag that's that's very evident um you know, every time I'm like training with people like, Oh, you got a bird bag. Shoot. No, I don't, I don't own one of those for some reason. I have four wingers, but I don't own a bird bag. So, um, no, I think that I, 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 I like how you, you've like branched out and built your own products. When did you start building your own products? Um, we started about 18 months ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm in a unique situation. My dad has a small welding gig, you know, he's, uh, he's retired and, and, able to, to kind of focus on building stuff for me. My mom's a seamstress. So building holding blinds sure. uh, was kind of a, an easy ask for her. Sure. And, uh, you know, we we continue to add things as they come up and do our best to keep everything in the U S. So as of right now, everything's is sourced and built here in Michigan. So awesome. hopefully we'll be able to keep it that way. That's awesome. Uh, was a gun stand, your first product that you built that you launched, uh, the gun, the gun stands and the dog tieouts came out, came about the same time, about the same but time. yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. And holding blinds launched today. Did I hear that right? Yeah. So I've been, you know, I, there's a company called PRT that used to be around, uh, mm -hmm. professional retriever training, uh, equipment. And, uh, when he went out of business, I was in, got in touch with him. I bought out the rest of his stuff and we've been working on our own design, you know, it's, and it's a basic, you know, basic pole and, and, sure, yeah. um, blind, but, uh, we've got some cool modifications that'll come next year. I just, I, I wanted to get through the stuff that we have now, I've got some new colors and new patterns picked out that we'll, we'll come out with early next spring. I, I will look forward to that. Um, I, I can't have enough dog gear. I mean, that's what I found, you know, like, uh, you mentioned how expensive it is when you get into like owning and training a gun dog, you know, the purchase price is the cheapest thing, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the price of the dog, <laughs> you know, what you read, the check you write out to the reader is definitely the cheapest thing. Um, yeah. Absolutely. No, I was going to say, I, I was like, we like, you know, I, I like to train in groups, you know, that I like to extend that same hospitality, you know, to, to guys that are getting into the sport. So I, I do like to host training days and in, in order to do that, you need extra gear too. So sure. I probably have more, more gear than a single guy, you know, a single, uh, dog trainer needs. Um, but, uh, I do, I do get an opportunity to, to host training days and, and bring guys in and, and help out and guys just getting started too yeah and that's important like that's important that's like the big thing is i want i want as many people to like get into training their own dog as as i can or to run hunt tasks and you know i mean you know the r3 movement like getting getting new people involved and in hunting in the outdoors is like a big thing big passion point for me and i can't think of a better way to get someone um started or back into um hunting and buying tags for 10 years and to for them to purchase their own gun dog yeah um, you almost feel obligated to do it oh yeah you do I, I mean that's why i go hunting more now just so my dog can get birds i don't care if i shoot anything you know if i have other guys i'd rather have them shoot something so, you know i, I suck at shooting that. so that's always my excuse too i'm here for the dogs yeah <laughs> that's that is that is true it works dual purpose because i have yeah not known as the world's greatest shot. And you can ask a lot of people about that. I get, I get a lot of flack for that. So um, I do have a legitimate excuse though, uh, built an excuse. And that is, you know, I use the whistle a lot to handle my dog in the upland field. And um, there was a, you know, when he was young, 
I was several times in a row where I forgot to spit the whistle out when I went to shoot. And so I ended up with a bloody lips. Well, how did I solve that? Well, and I don't bear down on the gun. And then, so the whistle doesn't hit my lip. Well, now it's a built-in habit. I pull up on the bird and I'm not, I'm not bearing down on the gun and, you know, shooting, uh, shooting right underneath them. So <laughs> it happens. It's my excuse. It's my excuse. All right. Um, all right. B- back to soggy dog gear. So you started with wingers, you started with dog trail electron- electronics. Um, what, what do you all have on the site now? Like what's all available? It, basically anything and everything that you need to develop a gun dog from starting as a puppy all the way through finish. There's really not a lot of the, the main necessities that we don't have. You know, we've got all the different e-collars, bark collars, GPS tracking collars, check cords. I mean, anything that you really need or, or could be needed um, is available right now. Sure. I so, can't think of anything that we wouldn't really have. So like e-collar brands, you've got Garmin, you've got Sport Dog, you've got Dogtra, obviously. Dogtra, DT, yep. DT, um, launchers. I mean, you've got, you've got wingers. Yeah. I mean, how many different brands of wingers do you have? Yeah. There's just the two gunner, gunner and zinger. Yep. Gunner and zinger, so okay. just those two, uh, you know, we've got to get into the thunder launcher. So I'm a thunder launcher dealer, okay. uh, Versa launcher with RRT. Sure. And I've got some DT launchers. Okay. Just, uh, what about just bumpers? About what I'm a bumpers guy. Yeah. You know, we've got, uh, I'm trying to think we've got our own brand of two inch bumpers. Okay, so we've awesome. got some soggy dog bumpers. We've got uh, a lot of Avery. Um, Avery is probably the primary. Um, yeah. I've, I've got some RRT or uh, retrieve our trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe there's still some sport dog stuff up there. Okay. That's awesome. That's hey, you got, you've got it all there. Um, and then uh, as far as like products you're building yourself, like what's, what's next? Like, can you share? Um, you know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. You know, we're right now, we've got a lot of things that we just kind of getting started and, you know, the goal is to constantly, uh, to evolve and and make modifications to improve on, um, right now for us, it's, uh, improving processes, you know, cause some of the stuff, you know, the way that we make our, our, our tie outs is a little bit different than everyone else. They're not, uh, they're not welded all the way around They're They're put on with with a different process. Um, so right now it's just building the stru- infrastructure and, you know, building jigs and tooling to make that, make the, the construction of that stuff easier. Yeah. You know? So that's really what we're focused on right now. I'd like to eventually get into making, you know, stick men and, and whatnot. Um, but that's probably another year down the road. Sure. Sure. That would be, that would be cool. That would be, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you could end up making yourself. And I think, you know, all American made is, is obviously the goal, right? I mean, that's awesome. Like that's kudos to you. Um, it's big. And also I didn't, I didn't say this, um, initially, but congrats on launching the, the blinds today. Like that's, that's big. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know today was launch day. I missed that somehow. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it, we didn't get on social media and that just shows how awful I am about uh, doing <laughs> stuff on social media. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, I I'll make a note to myself to make sure I get it up there. Tomorrow. Okay. You want to take, take two minutes and do a post right now? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, and then like, what is like, how many hours, how many hours a week are you putting into soggy duck gear to like, you know, to pack orders for customers to, you know, answer questions, um, you know, just, just take care of people and, and, and take care of your products, take care of your gear, all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to put, it varies from time to time. You know, I think we go through seasons of, uh, you know, seasons of it, you know, right when we get into the busy part of the spring where people are starting to think about dog training and, they're really looking at spending stimulus checks and tax returns and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm a little bit busier than, than I'd like to be, or, you know, I shouldn't say that cause I'm, 
blessed to be doing what I'm doing, but so I, I'm pretty busy now. We're, you know, three to four hours a day would be a, a pretty good, you know, and that's not, you know, obviously straight through that's different things throughout the day, answering phone calls and responding to emails, placing orders and, and then packing orders late at night. Yeah, sure. And that's, yeah, that's on top of your, your nine to five. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So if anybody, if you're confused why it was only three to four hours, that's because uh, Doug is, Doug is what we call a hustler. Um, he's out there grinding while we're all sleeping and, and watching Netflix. Uh, <laughs> no, no time for Netflix. No time for Netflix. Okay. I'll scratch that from one of my last questions here. What's, what's your Netflix show that you're watching now? Um, all right. What's obviously you've made a lot of, you've launched a lot of things in the last 18 months. Um, what, it, what's, or I should say, what are, you know, your big plans for the rest of this year for soggy dog gear? Um, it's, you know, I, I've got some changes. I'm thinking about moving the, moving the website over to Shopify. So, you know, we're, we're looking at making changes like that. And that's all back and stuff that hopefully yeah. if I do it right, nobody's going to notice. Yep. Um, you know, I, I don't think we'll be bringing on any additional products. You know, mm -hmm. my goal is to just, uh, to get better at social media, to get sure. a little bit better at, uh, at understanding the SEO game mm -hmm. and, uh, just continue kind of on that path that we're growing. I'm, I'm always at a, at a fear of growing too fast, you know, sure. just because each step brings on a level of stress that you need to, you know, shipping logistics and inventory logistics that you got to figure out, but, yeah. um, we'll continue to put small pieces of the puzzle together and hopefully one day my nine to five will be soggy dog. Mm -hmm. That's the goal, right? It's the dream. It is the dream. Um, all right. I don't, uh, I don't think I have any other questions about soggy dog gear. I know, um, you know, the next time that I need equipment, I'm going to be checking out, um, your site, which, how do you, what is your website? What is your URL? Uh, soggydoggear.com. Okay. Simple enough. Um, and I know like I need to order a bird bag ASAP. So you'll probably be seeing an order come through, come for me here pretty quick. Um, but I think that's, I think, um, you know, if people haven't heard of soggy dog gear, you should definitely go check it out. Um, support American made products, um, support Doug. He's a good guy. Um, he's a really, really good guy. Uh, but I would chatted for like 30 minutes before you even started recording. So I'm like totally wasting his entire night here, but that's just me yakking away. Um, all right. I do have a set of equipment related questions, um, for you since you are the equipment expert here. Um, just want to pick your brain about that. Shoot. All right. First one, if someone is, you know, they, they get it, they get a dog, right? So they, say they have, um, they just pick up a puppy. Like what, what should they buy? Uh, a check cord. Check cord. And okay. a place board. Okay. Good. Outside of that as a brand new puppy, I can't think of a lot of other things that you need. Okay. All right. So pick up a, pick up a, a check cord and a place board. Um, and then say that they've progressed a little bit beyond that. And they just want a dog that's going to go pick up ducks. Um, you know, what, what, uh, what equipment should they have? You know, I think a lot of times we overcomplicate the process, right? Yeah. So, yeah you know, budget is obviously a big, a big factor of this. So, you know, depending on what your budget is, you know, if you're looking for a good meat dog and you have a good quality, consistent bird boy, you know, the, the amount of gear that you need boils down to a, a bag of bumpers and a, you know, and your dog, right. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in the situation that I am at bird boys are a little harder to find or at least reliable ones, Yep. you know, then you, then you need a launcher. Um, and I, I always emphasize on buying the best that you can afford you know, recognizing that not everybody can afford zingers and, and, uh, and gunners up. Right. Yep. So there's different, different levels of each of those products, you know, um, 
you know, so if you're looking at getting into the hunt test game, then yeah, you absolutely, you know, the investment to getting into wingers and in a holding blind. And honestly, because 90% of what you run in that first year are all going to be singles anyways, you know, having just that one launcher um, will get mm-hmm. most people, you know, a good start towards that, you know, in the right direction. Um, the electronics are sometimes the more expensive piece of that, yeah. you know, so if you're wanting to to run basic concepts like you know, mom and pop, or, you know, some people call it a flower pot, you know, you can piggyback single electronics to multiple launchers, you know, so you can get extension cords and whatnot to, to really be able to do some more advanced stuff on a budget. Um, and as you progress and you move through senior seasoned or, and moved into master, then obviously, you know, you got to get it yourself into a position to be able to run doubles and triples, you know, so it's either adding bird boys or adding launchers. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's, that's, that's great. Um, how many, but like for someone that's running hunt desk, like how many bumpers should they own? That's a really arbitrary question. Um, it is, so, very, it is yeah, very arbitrary. You know, I'm, you I'm, trying, I'm, I'm you hoping you'll validate the amount of bumpers that I own. Really, You know, I was going to say, well, this isn't going to help you then. I, you know, you don't need a ton, right? So okay. if you've got, you know, 10 or 12, you know, uh, white and black ones or all white ones, yeah. um, you know, I think the when you start getting into the more advanced stuff, like your pile work, you know, it's, there's a value to having more bumpers. Yes. You know, so if you look in, in my truck or in my garage, I probably have around four dozen orange bumpers. Sure. I probably have three to four dozen black and whites and three to four dozen whites. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that is because I do a lot of drill work yep. and I do a lot of drill works in groups. Right. Yes. So having, you know, big piles is just easier for me. Sure. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, if you've got, three to four, you know, regular black and white bumpers and a dozen, you know, dozen drill, drill bumpers, you're, you're in good shape. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's good answer. That's a very good answer to my very arbitrary question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. What's the most underrated piece of equipment in your opinion? Placeboard hands down. Mm -hmm. I don't think, and honestly, I didn't really recognize the value of a placeboard until I got it. Um, you know, I have a, a good friend named Jordan Horak who uh, owns Cato Outdoors, and I spend an abundance amount of time talking to him about uh, about training and placeboard training and, and understanding the, you know, kind of the objective reasons to why people use placeboards. Um, and I've I've almost, you know, started to build my process around the placeboard because mm-hmm. it, it, especially with a dog like Luna, who's my younger uh, two-year-old, you know, she she needs that objective yes and no, right or wrong. And yep. having that placeboard there to define that space for her yep. um, gets her into trouble less and makes her more successful. And I think having that in your house and starting to get the dog to understand, you know, that there's an objective place that they need to be. And it, it makes everything black and white. There is no, there is no gray area. You're either on the board or you're off the board. You're, yeah. even, you're either making motion to the board or you're not. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's easier to hold the dog accountable when they understand you know, the boundaries of that board. Yeah, I would agree. I didn't, I didn't understand how, how important it was. I didn't, I didn't train on, I didn't train Mac on, on a place board. He didn't see a place board until he was, I don't know, two and a half years old, but he knows what it is now. And, you know, I can send him to it from however far away, um, as long as he knows where it's at. And it's, it is invaluable. Like I can't, I agree with your assessment hundred percent. And Jordan, Jordan's a really good dude. And Cato boards are legit. They are, they are awesome. They are the, they're like the, they're just the perfect size. Like you don't, 
they don't slip. There's, you know, there's a lot of homemade ones out there that I see. Um, they're, they're awesome. They're a really good piece of equipment. You know, when you're, when you're talking about being able to train a dog on a budget, you know, bird boys are, are hard to find. Launchers cost a lot of money, you know, but you take a dog like Luna where she kind of grew up on the place board, you know, so I can set a place board out with a pole and a bucket over it just to identify where the place board's at. And I do a lot of, um, a lot of drills, right? So not necessarily just walking singles, but I do a lot of X drills and Y drills. And we do a lot of that, you know, not repetitive day after day, um, but at once a week or every other week, you know, I think it's an important drill that a dog needs to, to work through. Mm -hmm. um, and there's ways of making it more complicated, but it gives you the ability to go out, throw the marks for your dog. You're teaching yep. some steadiness. You're teaching them to go away from you to go sit on a platform, which you're going to use all the time or maybe not if you're not you know depending on what type of duck hunting you do but you're you're developing a set of skills there as well you're they're sitting on a place board they're learning steadiness um you know and you're getting the opportunity to to do a drill that typically would require two people you know yep. an x drill usually runs you know a guy out there or having a launcher that can shoot in four different directions like a versa launcher or you can have yourself out there send yep. your dog to your place and and continue on your drill yep 100 i did and I do like, I do is so much training by myself that like, and, and you, it, I know you do too. Right. I mean, you just said exactly, I do the same thing, right. I do the same exact thing as you, right. Send my dog back to place. I walk out there and, um, toss, toss bumpers, toss dockins, whatever, picks them up, brings them to me, send them back to place, you know, and on to the next one. And it's, you can, you can do so much with it. And even if you're getting into more advanced stuff, you're teaching a dog to honor, you know, it's, it's oh, easier yeah. to, you know, they're, they're so focused on the test of the other dog that a lot of times they're not focused on their feet. So having them on a place board, you know, where it's super easy that for them to, to realize that they're off of it and, and gives you that black and white, right and wrong. Um, so the correction is a little, you know, it's, it's justified. There's no, there's no thought, well, did the dog know that he was moving or did the dog you know, no, he was making a mistake. It was the dog stepped off. The dog knows he stepped off. The dog gets corrected. Oh, yeah. Right? So it, whether you, whether it's just through attrition and you calling him back or, you know, a collar correction, the dog knew that there was a mistake that was made. Yep. yep. You know, and you can translate that, that place board to anywhere in the house when the dog, when the door knocks, dogs are running over to the place board, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in the kitchen while you're eating. You don't want them, you know, surfing underneath the kids, get on your place board. Yep. Right? There's just, there's so many places that, uh, that I've, I've found unique ways of using it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Hundred, 110%. Um, all right. For you personally, um, which, uh, which brand of e-collar are you using? Um, I have two different collar systems that I use. Um, I don't have a specific reason to why I have two different ones. I started with a, a Garmin pro 550. Yep. Um, that was kind of the, the first one that I got into. I bought it used uh, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So I've had it, let's say seven and a half years ago. So I've had it a really long time. Um, I recently, within the last 18 months, uh, acquired a, an Edge RT. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a big fan of Doctra. I'm a big fan of, you know, Word Doctra, you know, how they do business, their customer yep. service. Um, and I really wanted to uh, to own and, and be able to utilize that product as well. Um, so I use, uh, I've been pretty much using the Dr. RT, the Edge RT, sure. um, you know, since I've gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, I've used Dr. Collars. They're, they're good. They're really nice. They're high powered. Um, I use a Garmin like every day, um, but I've gotten a chance to use Dr. And that's, I would, I would use a Dr. on my dog. I would, I would be more than content and happy with it. So 
Yeah. And the buttons are just there, you know, having the four buttons on the front of it, it's just, it's, it makes everything black and white for me too. There's no guessing mm-hmm. which finger my buttons on or mm-hmm. what, what am I doing? Am I doing high, low or whatnot? I just, yep. yeah, it's been, I've been really happy with it. It's good color. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what about, uh, like, you know, do you have, you said you have a lot of Avery bumpers. You have your own bumpers. So that's probably your favorite bumper. So I want to ask that question. You know, the, the bumpers that we sell are just, bu- they're budget bumpers. I, I okay. call them drill bumpers. You Got know, it. when you have to buy three dozen to set up a yep. tee, you know, a dozen at each one, there's no sense in spending a ton of money. You know, that's an insider trick. Don't, don't buy Avery for doing drills. Right? Cause it's just, it's, it's a waste of money. There, there's, you know, you're, there's no need for it. So I, I, my, the bumpers that we sell are, are very budget friendly sure. bumpers and are really designed for guys that are looking to just buy volumes of them for running drills. Sure. What's your, uh, what's your launcher that you prefer to use? Or is it just, um, are you, are you, or you prefer wingers? You know, I don't have a, you know, every type of training requires a little bit different technique or process. Sure. Yeah. Um, I traditionally use wingers for most of the things that we do because yep. I do like the ability to be able to throw ducks. Um, you know, pretty consistently we're using, uh, thunders a lot too, just because mm-hmm. of convenience and we're running yep. lots of dogs. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, even like today we ran, uh, wingers and we ran thunders, you know, so we had a mixed bag of, of both, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's really, what are we trying to teach and, mm-hmm. um, what's the easiest way of getting it out there? Yep. And if yep. I got to throw ducks, there's really only one, one answer to that. Yep. Bingo. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, good. Now that's, a, that's good. That's, uh, that pretty much covers the gamut there. Um, from equipment related questions and that pretty much wraps up the uh the dog related um soggy dog gear related uh, equipment related questions that i had down um doug though before you before you go so i like to do what i call a rapid fire session where i have a list of questions that i've written down some ahead of time some that i've jotted down here as we've been talking here and i'll ask the question first thing that comes to your mind you shout out the answer um we just kind of wrap up having some fun that way yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, first question here, since you do a lot of training by yourself and, and group training and stuff, what is your training shoe of choice? Uh, I wear Crocs and I wear mucks. Okay. All right. Crocs. I've been getting that answer a lot. It makes me really, really happy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Croc guy. This, this show, this podcast is not sponsored by Crocs, despite the fact that it may seem like that um, at times. Um, all right. I know you do a lot of hunting. What's your firearm of choice? Um, I've basically been hunting with a uh a remington 870 for okay. most of my career i all switched right. over to a cz last year so i shoot a cz drake okay and uh, i hunted with it all last season um and i'll probably do the same this year and then i've got a, an old old browning that i've uh was the first shotgun i ever got that i use sure. on certain situations sure i uh, i was looking at the the drake actually here recently nice yeah, I, 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 cause I, I really want to pull the trigger on an over under here before um, upland season rolls around in the fall. And that, that might be the one mm-hmm. might be the one. Um, all right. Uh, any big hunting trips planned for later this year? Uh, depends. I recently uh, switched jobs, so it depends on how vacation time works out, but I am going to do everything in my power to get back out to North Dakota. Okay. It was a uh, life-changing experience for me. And okay. I have a vendetta against tons right now. Okay. That I need <laughs> that I need to go and uh and settle. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. Um, all right. Uh your favorite color of lab. Black. I have a preference, but okay. All right. So your first your first lab was yellow and your your uh no, all of them have been black except for Ollie. Except for Ollie. Okay, yep. got it. Sorry. Um, that makes more sense then. 
Uh, how was your NCAA tournament bracket this year? I uh, do not do anything with sports. <sighs> really? Oh, Nothing. Man. Okay. All no, right. I don't think that. I've watched a sporting event in 10 years. Okay. That's fair. Um, all right. You mentioned social media. Uh, have you joined Clubhouse yet? I am on Clubhouse. Yep. So I've been on Clubhouse for about five months. Okay. All right. There's probably a lot of people who are like, what's Clubhouse? What's Clubhouse? <laughs> it's a good question, actually. Um, <laughs> and to- I have uh, I have an extra invite. So the first person that wants to message me on Instagram, I will uh, I will share an invite to Clubhouse if you want. I, I think I have like five of them. So if you're looking, if if Doug fills up, I'll I will I'll hook you up as well. Um, all right. What is your uh, your post hunt slash training session beverage of choice? uh either an oberon or whiskey okay All whiskey right. neat okay excellent 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 um and then last one is uh you mentioned all the training gear you have all the the training um groups that you know you go to or, or groups that you host um what are you hauling around all that gear in uh i have a Silverado 1500 so okay all right. yeah makes sense you put like anything on the back of it to like stack all those bumpers in no i uh they're just in bumper bags i'm gonna be putting a slide in uh i'm gonna be building a slide in drawer system for it to hold my wingers and whatnot yeah and just throw my dakotas on top of it yep perfect perfect excellent um all right that's it for rapid fire um so though before we go doug um why don't you tell everyone again um how they can uh, find Soggy Dog Gear online, where they can find you on social media, how they can reach out to you if they have questions that they want to get to know any more about Soggy Dog Gear, equip, if they have equipment questions, just basically anything and everything. Yeah, so I'm super easy to find on social media. So Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, uh, it's all at Soggy Dog Gear. So make it super straightforward. And uh, on Clubhouse, if you are on Clubhouse, I think it is just Doug Perinkio at Doug Perinkio. Perfect. Excellent. Um, that's it. That's all I have. Um, Doug, thank you for um, jumping on here. Take us a time out of your very, 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 very busy schedule. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll catch up again very soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. Your feedback is important and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.